Hello, my name is Tyree Waldron, aka The Big Ticket, and I'm here to bring you a whole lot of motorsport-related content in this podcast. This podcast is all about, you know, throughout the genres and all the type of racing stuff that occurred over the past race weekend. If you enjoy, rate it five stars on whatever streaming platform that you listen to, and if you want to check out the video version of this podcast, head on to the link in the description. It will take you to my webpage, and I have all my links there, actually, so you can check out all my other content. It's up to you, but... I appreciate it nonetheless. Now, diving into what we have today, we're talking about uh, IndyCar drivers trying to make their move into F1 or at least thinking about it. You know, we have Colton Herta, we got uh, Patricio Award, and um, Danica Patrick also has, has also gave her opinions a little bit. Over the course of this next weekend in Coda for Formula One, she will be joining the Sky Sports F1 uh, coverage. So, I'm myself personally and fascinated. Um, with what she had to say when uh, I believe she was interviewed on what F1 needs to become a bigger uh, entity uh, across North America. Now, as I dive into it, you know, she has stated this is actually uh, an article that I read up on um, on motorsport.com, which was actually insightful, in my opinion. Danica, uh, she believes that, you know, Formula One needs an American driver for the American fans to, uh, to root for. Now, as we look into it, Danica Patrick. She has not only a great, you know, history behind her. She has a, a, a good records behind her. Um, she has great drive. She's been noted as the most successful woman in open wheel racing. Um, so, by all means, or at least in North American open wheel racing, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's open wheel racing in general. But I know for a fact that she is. Um, she is credible. Okay, she is reputable. Uh, NASCAR, her NASCAR career wasn't that successful, but her Formula, not Formula, Jesus, her IndyCar uh, career was pretty good. Now, as we dive into it, she was the only woman to win, what, the IndyCar, the Indy Japan, like 300 or something like that. That I believe that was her, her, her big victory, um, but she did have otherwise great performances in IndyCar as a whole. Now... Also, yeah, she got Rookie of the Year 2005. She she did receive Rookie of the Year 2005 and also the Indianapolis Rookie um, of the Year 2005 as well. <laughs> 2005 was probably a, a pretty good year for her. But anyway, diving back into what I was saying, she, you know, it's it's let me let me step away. It's been clear. It's been clear that as we go through. The history of Formula One, and as we go through the popularity of Formula One, the popularity of F1 has increased drastically, or at, at least increased in the North American side due to the popularity of the Netflix series Drive to Survive. We know this. A lot of the times, many people, a lot of the newer fans come from like 2019 and on. They've just joined into <laughs> Formula One. They just started. Um, don't get me wrong. I am not like a seasoned Formula One. You know, I started watching Formula One 2017. Um, that was the time frame for when I got interested in the racing stuff, when I really wanted to wrap my head around all the things going on racing-wise across all motorsport. Um, but a lot of it is due to the success of the Drive to Survive series on Netflix. We see a lot of new people coming in, a lot of people you know, who want to see um, new, new stuff going on, who want to see the competitiveness of F1 for real. Um, and also understanding now that it's F1 is a little bit easier to follow with a slight bit of a storyline uh, that Netflix wants to throw in there. So we see that there's been a popularity rise in North America for Formula One as a whole. But of course, Danica Patrick, um, 
believes that an American driver would boost the popularity uh, for U.S. fans to have someone to root for, which I honestly believe is true. Don't get me wrong. I know for a fact that throughout the years, we have supported different drivers. We've supported the people who closely relate to us, me specifically. I support Lewis Hamilton. I know he is a seasoned vet. I know he is, you know, the greatest of all time, you know, arguably. I know some people have some have their thoughts on that. But to me personally, he is the GOAT, you know, seven-time world champion, um, I believe 101 or 102 poles. That last one got stolen from him, I think. Um, all in all, though, he's the reason that I got fully enveloped in Formula One, okay? But we know for a fact that, yes, if there was an American driver within Formula One, it would obviously boost the popularity of Formula One altogether. I mean, I, if I'm being honest with you, IndyCar got a slight little push when Grajon, when, when, when Magnussen, and, and when, uh, I believe Magnussen. If Magnussen is not in IndyCar, then he's definitely in IMSA, in the DPI category, something like that. They got their fans from Formula One, they got their fans from Europe to be fans of them within that sport, within that new genre of motorsport that they're partaking in. And of course, those fans, you know, they come in supporting that driver, but they branch out to other people. They branch out and they, you know, end up liking maybe other drivers, end up liking other American motorsport. We see that happen, but we haven't seen it happen the other way around. Whereas it's an IndyCar driver or, or IMSA driver who jumps to the European side and gets into Formula One and, you know, we have a nice little fan boost. We haven't really seen that. And I'm glad that it's being brought up, especially at a time like this, when Andretti Motorsport, one of the biggest names in American motorsport across the whole, is joining up. And I'm not even sure if this is released as of right now. But there are been speculations and rumors that it is coming up at this coda, uh, at this coda round in Formula One that Andretti Motorsport is going to be making their statement regarding whether or not they will be taking the majority ownership of, if not, it's not, is it Alfa Romeo? It is. They will be taking the majority ownership of Alfa Romeo. And it has been said that Colton Herta may just be the go-to may just be the go-to it is the one that uh that you know the, the 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 runners of andretti have their eye on specifically but they're not going to force him into it of course you know he doesn't want to give up his seat in indycar to join a team that may not be competitive as a whole excuse me obviously yes the team can be competitive it's not it's not that the team is not going to be competitive it's more so i've talked about this before but we know that Formula One is kind of pay to win, just a little bit. We understand that, you know, the teams who can afford it, the teams who can put down the money in research, development, all that kind of stuff, they are usually at the front of the pack, and we see that. Andretti, I'm not sure how their funds are outlaid. I'm not sure how, you know, they come in with financial uh, prowess. I'm not sure how they come in with that, but I know that if they do end up uh, releasing this announcement, if they do end up getting this ownership, they're going to be looking to Colton Herta. Now, Colton Herta is already... Now, like, in, what, 2019 and 2020, Herta has not only had, like, speculations and rumors that have occurred, that have grew, to say that he may be in F1 very soon. But at the end of this year, with Andretti saying that if they get this ownership and a deal were to be done... Their first choice, their first choice was is to look at the youngest IndyCar winner ever, 
IndyCar race winner ever is to look at him, Colton Herta, and put him paired up with Valtteri Bottas for the 2022. Now, I don't know if that's really going to go through. Obviously, it's up. It's, it's still a decision for Colton to make. It's still a decision for Herta to make. So I'm not necessarily sure how that's going to work. But I know that if they if they leave, if he leaves IndyCar, where he has been successful, where he has actually had battles, fights, where he actually has a shot at winning the title championship through strategy, you know, and great talented driving. I mean, he is one of the best. If we just go off of talent alone, he is one of the best in IndyCar. If you go from that realm and you jump into Formula One where, like I said, kind of pay to win. If the team ain't putting out putting out the money to develop the car, to get the advancements that they need in order to be competitive, you're fighting for a middle to back of the pack. Now, we've seen Antonio Giovinazzi um, done some great things in that Alfa Romeo. We've seen, you know, drivers do some great things in that Alfa Romeo from time to, time to time again, getting in a Q3, having some nice little finishes. I think the highest finish that they got this year was a P7 so, so far. So, it's... It's not only up to the financial push that they have to deal with, but it's also whether or not Herta decides that he wants to leave IndyCar and go into a Formula One seat. But he has stated that if I do do that, it has to be someone that's, one, competitive, and two, it has to be a long-term deal. It has to be a long-term decision. He's not going to just jump out of IndyCar for one year and then jump back. He's not trying to deal with that. He wants a full-time long-term contract for him to ride out and for him to be able to one articulate himself with formula one and two actually have some time to 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 not only learn his car learn the the tracks everything's different i mean he did compete in the formula three series um i'm not sure if that if that paired up with some of the same tracks that they do in formula one i don't believe it does but he has been otherwise pretty decent in, in all the series that he has partaken in so it's going to take him a few years to get one adjusted and then you know to, to to for the development of the cars to be in his favor and then you're going to see him become a, uh, competitive and all that kind of stuff but you also need the funds and i'm pretty sure andretti is 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 probably going to be able to develop that and put those funds into place especially with the partnerships that they can get on the american side of it so i'm pretty sure andretti is going to be relatively um a good move funds wise in the coming years but they need those coming years they need those years to develop they need those years to figure out what they want to do how they want to do it which driver that they want to um focus the development for and then they're going to be competitive and actually you know be fighting for a front of the pack decision so this is a this is a move that's going to take a few years uh to really be fully implemented the way that they want it to be um i'm not sure how fast andretti is going to be assuming control and taking over all aspects of alpha Romeo and f1 but it is something to look forward to and it is something that i personally would love to see a, a second american team uh, behind haas a second american owned team um is definitely something that can boost popularity and if you have an american driver in that top spot uh, if you have an American driver who can put down and actually race and be competitive, oh, yeah, you're going to have a ton of uh, American fans come through. You're going to have a ton of North American fans at that um, who look to F1 and who will, you know, maybe 
watch these F1 races a little bit more and all that kind of stuff and you'd be really interested um, in that. Now, with that being said, I do want to say new fans, if you do join and if you do end up watching F1, if you do end up seeing all the things that F1 can bring, please learn the regulations. Please understand how things are done. That is one of the first things I recommend to you is please learn exactly how things are done. Please learn why decisions come down the way that they do. And please, 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 please learn these regulations. Because I am tired of seeing people complain and, and people have arguments over stuff that they shouldn't even be having arguments about. Simply because of the fact that they don't understand how the regulations are. They don't read the rule books. They don't understand what's going on necessarily. Like they kind of understand, but they don't. They really don't. So that is the only tip I really give. Learn the rules, regulations, understand why things are the way they are figure out salary caps all that kind of stuff there's so much more than just the racing side of it there's so much more than just the racing side of formula one that you need to uh kind of jump into and learn in order to understand the entire picture of formula one so please spend that time learning if you if you want if you're going to be a true fan if you're going to be someone who's going to invest their time into formula one especially if andretti announces this this weekend coming up at coda and if colton herda is confirmed to be the driver the american driver on the european side of formula one if all that is done learn what you got to learn in order to know what you're talking about please that's all i got to say to that it's all I have to say to that, and also one thing, they're looking to actually add a third USGP. Now, Miami has been confirmed added for 2022. We have Austin, which is going to you know be happening this this weekend at Coda Circuit of the Americas. We have the Miami GP that has been added for next year. What other track could could be in the works? I'm thinking Laguna Seca. It's it's a Famous track in Monterey. I'm thinking that for sure. Um, I don't want to see them in Detroit. I don't want to see them on Belle Isle. Although that is close to me, I would love to go to that race. I don't want to see that. If I'm being honest with you, Belle Isle is just not the place for that. After watching the IndyCar race, I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's a little too rocky. They would have to do a, a, a good bit of pavement work. All that kind of good stuff to get that up to par, first of all. And it's it's kind of tight too. Um, I don't know how their runoff areas are and all that kind of goes. I don't know if they qualify for the FIA re uh, regulations. So I'm thinking more so Laguna Seca because that does qualify. At least for the most part, I believe it qualifies. So I mean, as I'm thinking about trap, maybe maybe Atlanta, maybe Road America. But I, I, I personally believe something that's going to bring in, you know, the majority attention, something that's going to bring in revenue as well as have a wide showcase of fans coming through. Laguna Seca is a place to do it. Laguna Seca is a place to have it if they want to add a third USGP. Do I believe that that's going to come soon? Probably not. Maybe in the next two years. That's, that's soon enough. But that's my thoughts. I want to know what your thoughts are. If you, you know, if you're thinking about this as deep as I am sometimes, let me know what you think, man. Is, is there... A USGP that you want to see added? Is there a USGP that you think should be added? Um, or is there one that you think is completely excluded from it? Let me know if you're watching the YouTube version. Head down to the comments below. Let me know what you think, man. And I don't know. I, I really would love to see Laguna Seca. I really would love to see corkscrew action um, going on, in, but Formula One style. You know? Um, not sure if we're going to get it. Not sure if that's going to be something that actually happens, but 
definitely something that I would love to see. And also, like I said, Andretti Motorsport can't wait for this announcement. Hopefully, we get this announcement this Friday. It will be the perfect uh, this Saturday, Friday, Sunday, whatever. It will be the perfect place for us to get it um, at the at the USGP this year. And it would be perfect to know that you guys are taking over for 2022. And then, God, I hope you announce your driver. Um, I know that probably won't come this weekend, but it's great. Another driver, actually, is Paddle Award. Paddle Award has actually, uh, you know, expressed his interest for Formula One. And uh, he's been quoted as saying he would be lying if he's hit. He would be lying if he said that he wasn't interested in Formula One, which is, I mean, that's everyone. It's every kid's dream, especially when you're in open wheel racing now. Formula One is, is the premier motorsport in open wheel racing. It's the place that you want to go. It's the place that you want to be at. But also, you got to understand that you may not be in a competitive team. You may not be in a team that you can actually battle for the front, where you can battle for the actual title. You'll be at the back of the pack like Mazepin and Schumacher every damn race. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. And I, I, I completely understand that some people don't have necessarily that same interest anymore when they realize that that may be the reality of it. But as developments increase, as teams are, you know, willing to put more time into researching and development and, and, and the advancement of their cause, obviously we're going to see everyone become competitive again. Um, but all in all, Pato Award, you know, he's not... I, I, honestly, I think he would deserve a spot. He's been nothing but exceptional this year. I mean, he had a few uh, unlucky races, but... He's been nothing but exceptional this year. Colton Herta, he has been remarkable as well. Um, and with the end of the with the end of the 2021 India uh, IndyCar series, they're just looking looking to the future. Honestly, just look to the future, <laughs> and that's good. That's good. But I think that they're gonna be in. Uh, I think Pato is gonna be in IndyCar for a little while longer. Colton, it's up to him. Andretti is looking to him. You know, he's gonna be that first glance. That's gonna be that first choice if he wants it. If he wants it, so it's 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 all about him. It's all about whether or not that's really the decision that he wants to make. Um, but me personally, I would love to see it. I would love to see uh, an American on, on in Formula One. I would love to see it. I, I think that that would do what Danica said it would boost the popularity on the North American side for Formula One. I think it would be remarkable, and I think it would work perfectly. So, hey, anyway. <laughs> Another thing, the MotoGP 2022 calendar has been, well, the provisional calendar anyway, has been released um, with 21 races scheduled for 2022, which I think is wow. Um, I already think eight, well, the original way that they used to do this was 20, 20 races, and I already thought that was too much. Now, in the past two years, they've dropped it down to, I think, 18, uh, which works, in my opinion, um, but... As we look into it, 21 races. This is the longest. This will be the longest season that MotoGP has had in its history. I don't understand what the additional uh, what the additional race is for. I don't understand it. Now they've discussed it with the the the, the governing body of MotoGP has released it to the teams. Um, they haven't necessarily released the official stuff they haven't released it officially to the public but they have discussed it with the teams and they have discussed it with um with dry i guess with drivers and stuff too I, I, uh. but in the past two seasons we've seen covid affect you know um 
MotoGP. This year, last year especially, we've seen it affect our seasons. We've seen it affect the MotoGP season. Now, 2022 is set to be the 2021 season. With race circuits making their returns, we have, you know, the Indian, uh, Indonesian GP. They're allowing Moto's Premier Motorsport back now. Um, not only MotoGP, but also Formula... No, I'm not sure if it's Formula 1. But also uh, Formula E has been uh, confirmed as coming back. We have the Argentine GP. That's coming back for MotoGP. And also... We have the Finnish GP. Now it was supposed to come back in 2019. It has been cut from the uh, cut from the, the 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 actual seasons three times now. In 2019, due to some construction stuff. Then of course 2022 and 2021 due to COVID. So it would be nice to see that uh, make a comeback, and it would be nice to see how the drive how the, how the riders tackle it. Um, I know that they've made some 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 changes. This is the the new Kimi ring that they'll be um, that they'd be racing on. So I love it when there hasn't been a there hasn't been a race that the people that the riders have actually competed on. I love it when it's been you know an abundance of years. I mean, we, the Finnish GP hasn't been there since 1982, and it's supposed to be back in 2019, and it wasn't. Now it's. 2022 for the next season for the next season coming up it's finally going to be back and none of these riders have none of these riders have have got have participated on it have ridden it before so it's 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 great to see when maybe they come up with different tactics maybe you see some mistakes and all that kind of stuff if they can't get it down pat over the course of that practice weekend I'm I'm actually excited for the Moto G, for, for for the for the 2022 season of MotoGP I still believe this is too long. I still I think that the 18 race season is 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 has been has been good. Hasn't ran long for you know the year or nothing like that. But the normal campaign is 20, so I'm okay with 20. Bumping it to 21, I feel like there was no real need for it. But I know that this is just a provisional calendar. This is just something that's been drafted up. It's not confirmed. It's not official. Changes are bound to be made. Changes are going to happen. Um, there might be, you know, some that end up back on a chopping board. Hopefully, we don't see that with the finished GP, but they might, it, it might end up back on a chopping board, on a chopping block. So, we don't know what is going to happen necessarily. We don't. But I am still looking forward to the season. And with that, I'm going to Formula E. The 2022 Formula E calendar has been announced. This one is official. Um, I believe two of the rounds have yet to be confirmed. Um... But I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the rounds. I'm going to let you know. It's uh, 16 races across 12 cities around the world. We have round one and two happening in Daria. Or Daria, however you say it, is the Daria Ypres. Round three is Mexico City. Round four is one of those I was telling you about that is to be confirmed. We have no idea what country is going to be in. None of that kind of stuff. That's to be confirmed. Um, round five is supposed to be in China. That is also to be confirmed. We don't know what track. We don't know what circuit. None of that kind of information yet. But it is to be confirmed. It, it, it has been stated that it will be China for sure. But, you know, things change, man. Things change. Um, round six is Rome. Which, I mean, it's Rome. It's Italy. <laughs> it's fire. Um, round seven is Monaco. Round eight is Berlin. And like I said earlier, Indonesia is allowing motorsport, premier motorsport, back into the country at Jakarta. Um, 
So that's going to be dope to see. I'm not sure if a lot of those guys in Formula E have really been a part of Jakarta for the most part. Um, I'm not sure. Let me know in the comments if you know. I'm pretty sure that they might have been there before, but I, I just don't know 100%. Um, then round 10 is Vancouver, Canada. Then round 11 and round 12, New York City, baby. Um, <laughs> round 13 and 14 is London. Uh, that inside-outside track, that shit is remarkable in my opinion. It's, it's, I, I enjoyed watching that race, and I enjoyed the fact of the, the little shakeup of the indoor-outdoor. And, I mean, it's... Formula E, it's electric vehicles, so it's not negatively impacting, it's not hurting anyone that's on the inside stages or nothing like that, it's 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 a fantastic shakeup in how the seasons are done, uh, and how races, and how those types of races are done, and then lastly, we have round 15 and round 16 in Seoul, South Korea for the first time ever, I love the first time ever races, because we know that Formula E changes up how the track outlay is set up every single race. They'll change up where the boosting points are. They'll change up how long it lasts. They'll change up, I believe it's called attack mode. Yeah, it's called attack mode in Formula E. They'll change where that's at. They'll change where the initiation points are. And the people, the teams are only allowed to know an hour before the race starts. So we're going to see countless different strategies. We're going to see different racing lives. We're going to see a whole lot of different um, tactics coming from teams. I enjoy it personally, and I believe Formula E is trying to do away with their qualifying, their way of qualifying. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't dived into the qualifying of Formula E at all, if I'm being honest with you. That is something that I have to do more research on. But for the most part, I know that they're trying to do away with it because it's it's relatively unsuccessful. I mean, it's successful, but relatively unsuccessful, <laughs> if that makes sense. It, it, it works uh, for now, but it's not something that uh, that everyone likes. If that if that if that gives you a, a, a better clarity as to what I mean, but I love those first time ever tracks, especially one where they haven't been there before. Well, that obviously that's the first time, <laughs> but especially one where they they have no uh, prior knowledge to how the track outlay is going to be, where they have no sense of where stuff is going to be. And I love the fact that Formula E shakes up the attack mode and has, you know, teams developing new strategies every single round, every single race. It keeps it exciting. It keeps the action pumping and it keeps, you know, un and, it, and, and it brings out unorthodox tactics and moves throughout the race. I thoroughly enjoy Formula E. I enjoyed the, uh, the few rounds that I caught this year and I definitely want to watch more and more of it next year. Hopefully I'm able to make it to the New York City round um, and uh, really dive into that one. Might do it like a little vlog or something like that on my channel at the Tyree Waldron Motorsports Show. Who knows? You know, who knows? But a lot of good things coming up for next year. A lot of good things, uh, especially with this 2022 Formula E calendar. Um, that's all I got for that. That's all I got for that. One thing I did forget to mention is Paddle Award. He's actually, like I stated, his interest in Formula One has increased drastically. And with him winning his race at, I believe, Texas uh, after a bet with one of the McLaren owners or something like that. I'm not really sure how it go. But he is actually doing the postseason F1. He's doing. He's taking part in the postseason F1 testing at Yas Marina. Yas Marina. I don't know why I had to put a R in there. Uh-huh. He's prepared with a simulator, and he has done uh, some seat fitting in the McLaren 35M. Uh, and can you see Paddle Award in F1? Obviously, a lot of people can. Obviously, I can. 
uh, personally. But do I see him being effective? Do I see him really, you know, going at it? Yes. Simply because of how I've seen him drive in IndyCar. The man does not let up, which I think is going to be a great shakeup if you move into F1. I mean, we've seen that, how that and, you know, a rivalry can butt heads and how that driving style in a rivalry can butt heads. But we also know that it'll be a great thing. Um... That'll allow some good action in Formula 1. So I could definitely see Paddle in there. I could see Colton in there. And um, I'm hoping we have, I'm hoping we're going to have our second owned, our second owned uh, American Formula 1 team in there, man. I'm hoping that that's going to be what it is for 2022. And I don't know if Colton is going to take that seat, but looking forward to it. Looking forward to whatever announcement is going to come this weekend, if there is an announcement, and looking forward to when the driver uh, contract is, is confirmed and all that good stuff. World Superbike, Argentina. That round was something, well, technically, well, it is a round, but it's race one, race two, uh, and also the Super Bowl. I'm about to just take a little hit of my coffee real quick. Unfortunately, I have to say, unfortunately, Scott Redding is no longer in championship contention after this after this uh, past weekend. Scott Redding was originally, I believe, 70 points off, um, off of the leader, uh, Jesus, Topak Razgatlioglu. I believe he was about 70 points off, and if he had uh, performed well in race one. And race two, he would have cut that lead down. And he would have been able to go into the final round with an actual fighting chance. However, race one, he crashes out on turn one after going offline trying to overtake, I believe, um, Rhea. Jonathan Ray. Or Rhea. I, I don't know. His name is spelled R-E-A. I'm pretty sure it's Ray. So I'm going to go with Ray for now. Jonathan Ray, I believe he, uh, Redding goes down trying to overtake him. Um... But as let, let me just dive into the races. Um, race one, like I stated, Sky Running he crashed out turn one. That sucks. Honestly, it's unfortunate. He no longer he's no longer in the title contention because of that. Um, Jonathan Ray he thought about strategy, you know, putting on the harder compound tires, thinking that that would help him in the lot in the in the long run at the uh, end of the race, maybe to the second half of the race. It did not, as Razgat Leoglu uh, was approximately five seconds above. Uh, Jonathan Ray in the closing moments of the race but Jonathan still came in second so Kawasaki is still in the fight for the championship Jonathan Ray is still in the fight for the championship going into the final round Um, I know there's going to be a nice little battle between those two guys Uh, hopefully it comes down to the wire it comes down to the you know to the to, to the to the final lap and it's a nice battle a drag race um I know that it has to be, it can't necessarily be like that, simply because of the fact that I believe Jonathan has to have a two-position lead or something like that. I will dive into it a little bit more. I will discuss it more when this round comes up. Um, but race one, Toprak Razgat Leoglu, uh, he finishes first. Jonathan Ray comes to second. Uh, and Michael Rinaldi, he rounded off the podium for race number one. He actually held on pretty good to position. 
Um, now we're going to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl race. 0.046 seconds is all that separated Scott Redding and Tope Rack for Scott Leo Glue for the Super Bowl race. Yes, I had to close my eyes because I had to think back to those numbers and how to say this man's name. <laughs> I'm going to just call him Roz for the rest of this episode. I'm going to just call him Roz. It was a close race, a battle, drag race to the finish line. Plenty of uh, attempts to overtake from Redding, who came in second. Roz came in first. Um, definitely an exciting race towards the end. And apparent and and be honest with you, Scott Redding has a great second half like finish. He, he his pace in the second half of races are just remarkable. I thought for sure he had uh I thought for sure he had Roz in the Super Bowl race. He did not. But like I just stated, 0.046 seconds. That's all it took. That's all was between them coming to the line. But like I say, the Sky Running, he is out of championship contention, which sucks. It does. But Jonathan Ray is still in there. Um, I believe 34 points off the lead of Raz. Raz got Leo Glue. 34 points off. Now, we jump to race two because Super Bowl race, that's really all I had to talk about for that. We jump into race two. Not only was race two remarkable for Sky Redding, like I stated, his second half of these races have been decent, have been great, phenomenal. He's been in a world of his own second half race. At the beginning, he was battling for basically third, but when the second half of the race started, he, he, well, not started, but when the second half of the race came to fruition, when it when when it was his time to shine, he did that and he excelled. Practically blew by Jonathan Ray on turn one, and almost caught Raz. Almost caught Raz got Leoglu in the same lap, but he ran wide. Raz was able to retake the position, but next lap, Redding made it stick. He was not he was he was not going to be denied. Sky Redding pulls off with first. In the podium first. With his Ducati power. Two point two and a half seconds ahead of any other competition. Props to you, Scott Redding, for a nice comeback weekend. I know that you're out of, you know, title contention. Unless I, I'm, well, yeah, you're out of title contention, which is horrible. But good work. Good work by Ducati as well. But Ray... And Roz got Leolu. Roz got Leoglu. They battled for second. Ray, Ray, Jonathan Ray ended up holding off Roz. Getting second. Roz came in third. With that podium, Sky Redding was no longer in championship contention. If Roz got Leoglu, I think he got, if he ended up off a podium, I believe in fifth position, Sky Redding would have still been in this title fight. But Toprak has been nothing but remarkable this season. He's been reliable. He's been relatively consistent too. So, unfortunately, Sky Redding, you are no longer in title contention. Alex Bassani, he actually was doing some good work uh, early on in the race. He traded positions a few times with uh, with Sky Redding when Sky was in third and uh, trying to fight past. But of course, second half of the race, Sky Redding took off, and uh, Alex he nestled in and, and, and held down fourth place um, so good work on his end good work on his end and 
like I stated, Ray is still Jonathan Ray. He still has a chance in the championship fight going into Indonesia with race one, Super Bowl, and race two. Three opportunities to do some damage and uh, hopefully come back and and tackle. I I I want I want to see this. I I, I have to. I have to see this fight. I'm hoping that he comes through and does damage and, and really holds first position in all of those races. And that would be a nice little, a nice story, a nice comeback victory story of, yo, I came from second to win <laughs> in the points, you know. Uh, it's, it's still all up in the air is all I got to say. The championship title is still in the air. It has not been officially finished it's not officially over it's not now that was worth super bike if we go to super formula though super formula the 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 champion fight the championship fight is over for that though i do have to say tomoki najiri is the 2021 super formula champion after coming in fifth in the twin motegi ring because fifth was the only position he needed. I know some of you might be like, what? He came in fifth, how did he win? Well, I believe he's won four, three races this season. And I believe he's held relatively high positions altogether throughout the throughout the entirety of the season. If he didn't win three races, then he won one or two. Something of that nature. I have to dive back into a little bit more. But... This race was relatively exciting, I do have to say. It was relatively exciting. But Tomoki Najiri, he comes out on top for the overall of the season. His teammate, Hiroki Otsu, won the race in the Red Bull, whatever car that is. But he won that race. But of course, Tomoki, he's the one I got the praise. But we cannot forget about Hiroki Otsu. Who held off all of the competition? Who held? Who 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 not only had the pole through a questionable strategy at the beginning, through a questionable strategy through qualifying, but also held on to it throughout the majority of the race. Yes, and and this race there were what I believe ten cautions. No, not ten cautions. There might have been four cautions. Ten cautions were in the uh, were in NASCAR. I'm 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 getting confused. But those two teammates, they came out, they, they came out on top. One on top of the championship, one on top of the race. Um, but Yui Sekaguchi. Honestly, if I'm being honest, I thought he was gonna come. I thought he was going to be able to bring this down to the final round. I really thought he was going to be able to excel this race. And I thought he might have had a, 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 a decent chase down. Going into the final few laps of this race. But. Unfortunately that was not the case. He came in fourth. He needed first. In order to be in title contention. In the final round. But he came in fourth. And the reason I'm upset about that. I'm, I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm upset about it. reason I'm upset about that is because. I'll be honest. He, he, he looked like he had it. Going into those final few laps. He looked like he might have had it. 
but of course they have their own overboost or however you want to call it system and um, he used it all up for the most part he used it all up other teams they were preserving it his teammate was preserved um, the two Mugen teammates they were preserving it for the most part as well um, harvesting what they needed to and using it towards the end of the race thought maybe it would come down to the final to the final round I did I thought he had it I thought he had great pace going into the race altogether um, I thought his his overtakes were beautiful going cutting through the field getting to the front pack I thought he was gonna close down on um, Jesus uh, I forget who number two is but I thought he was gonna go in it's another, it's it's Sakaguchi and Sakaguchi. I just don't know his first name. The guy who was in second place, I don't know his first name. But I thought Yuri Sakaguchi uh, had had the pace to catch him. But unfortunately, he outbraked himself. He was pushing too hard and outbraked himself. I ended up running wide and from that point on, it was over. Four laps left or three laps left, it was over. From that point on, he just started going back. Using up all the overboost or whatever it's called that he had and Unfortunately, it was unsuccessful. Unfortunately, it did not work out for him. Um, but let me talk about the race a little bit. This was a wet race. It started off wet and it was going dry as the race, you know, uh, continued. Motegi is a ring that dries out relatively fast. And, you know, uh, the racing line dried out even faster. Um... <laughs> uh, a lot of the times, these guys had to preserve their tires in the first coming laps. But we brought out the first caution at, I believe, lap 10, while the track was still ever so slightly damp. Um, we had, I believe, three guys. They stayed out on intermediates, or whatever you would call that, but I'm pretty sure intermediates. They stayed out on those wet tires. Um, and they were trying to gain enough space under the safety car, away from everyone else. Unfortunately, that did not work. That strategy did not pay off whatsoever. Um, they thought maybe things would be different. Maybe their strategy would pay off, but it did not. Uh, Hiroki, um, Jesus, what's his name? Hiroki Atsu. He did pit. He did get those fresher compound tires, those uh, softer tires, and was able to find the traction and kept the drive going. A lot of the field pitted. In order to get those tires and be able to go into the next, you know, uh, the next two thirds of the race and go into it faster. You know, some guys had to, the, the track still had to dry out a little bit. So for the first two, I'd say two to three laps, they had to race a little conservative, be a little careful on the throttle and don't let, um, don't let no issues really happen. But it ended up paying off in the end for them. It ended up paying off in the end for Hiroki Yatsu. It ended up paying off in the end for all those guys that pitted. I mean, obviously, some people did crash. Some people did, you know, slide out. And it, it, it was it was a race that didn't necessarily go well for some. Tatiana Calderon, she crashed out as well. Um, I mean, she was in 14th place. It didn't look like she was going to really come back and, and tackle. But it sucks that she did crash out. That would have been great for us to see her finish that race or at least try and uh, fight back um, and get, in, get, get within the top 10. All in all, though, this was an action-packed race. I did like the fact of the transition from going wet to dry. I did like the fact that strategy played an important part in how this race was going. But also, I did like the fact that this was a race of the mind. 
Not a race on the track. Tomoki Najiri understood what he needed. Not what he wanted, what he needed in order to get this victory. He needed that minimum spot five, P5. As soon as he got into that position, he held on to it. He did what he had to do to preserve that position, knowing that Yuri Sekiguchi was not going to catch his teammate, Hiroki Atsu. Hiroki Atsu had a 2.6 second lead towards the end of the race over number two. I mean, not over number two, uh, over Sekiguchi. Um, and of course, like I stated, with those last either four or three laps, when Sekiguchi overbraked himself, that gap just increased altogether. And Sekiguchi was not catching anyone. And as a matter of fact, that overbreaking of himself resulted in him losing that P3 and going into P4. He wasn't even on the podium. Now, he was my favorite towards the end of this race. He was my favorite to win. He was my favorite to come back and grab that pace. He had it. He had it. Without, say, 12 laps to go, he had it. But, of course, unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. There were three safety cars across 35 laps. You know Super Formula likes bringing out them safety cars. Because it stacks back up the field and it creates way more action all over again. So I, I love the I love the way that they have it. I love the way that they have it set up for Super Formula. But it's sick that after that outbreaking and after had them them, them last few laps, he Sakaguchi slowed down drastically and, and, and lost that place. He wasn't even on the uh wasn't even on the podium still a good performance all throughout the race though I, I still give him that it was still a good performance all throughout the race but this is why I like to say races are won by the mind not necessarily about what's happening on track well obviously that always plays a part but it's about the mind understanding what you need to win um, understanding what's important understanding you know the value that you can hold on to the values that you need to hold on to of like okay in this race, I need to get this position or better. I need to hold off anyone who's trying to take that spot away from me and who's trying to make final pushes. And I, I want to win this championship. And Tomoki Najiri, he did just that. His team did just that. Um, and they came back, had some impressive work, and, and, and stuck in the position that they needed to. And uh, props to Hiroki Atsu, who held that P1 for a long period of time, doing whatever he needed to in order to get that victory for himself as well. I believe that was his first rookie victory, or his first victory as a rookie. And um, props to him. You know, it's always good to grab. It's always good to grab your first. It's always good. No one's ever going to tell you it's wrong. <laughs> um, but Team Mugen. Or Mugen, however you pronounce it, for this season. That's four wins, and um, they've been very strong this season. So I hope that they uh, continue the success into the next season and into the next round. Um, just remarkable work, action-packed race. If you do, I, if you want to check it out, you can head on over to like I think Red Bull Motorsports TV or something like that on YouTube. They do have the stream up of the race. Uh, you can watch all the fashionable overtakes. You can watch all the action, and you can see the the emotion of when these guys, you know, won that victory and uh, came out on top. So definitely something I check into. And also, I want to do. T I, I'm thinking about this show. I, I think I saw it on like the Red Bull TV commercials that they have at the end. Um, it's called Open the Doors. Scuderia, uh, Scuderia AlphaTauri. I want to check into that a little bit because it focuses on AlphaTauri. That's one of my favorite teams. <laughs> but. I don't know. I just remembered that for a second. Um, but coming back across the water, we're going to NASCAR, the Xfinity Series. 
Um, I'll be honest, and the Cup Series too, but I didn't really necessarily catch the Cup Series, but I still will give you the results of that. If you have been stuck under a rock, you would know that Kyle Larson, he was victorious. <laughs> um, but with the NASCAR Xfinity Series, John Hunter Nemechek, he wins his second career NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Um, turn one proved to be the most difficult corner within that race with the higher banking and different lines that could be uh, taken or taken. And we see that it came into uh, came into effect a couple times when guys hit the dirt, ended up maybe drifting across turn one too. Uh, there, there's there was a good bit of drama that happened at turn one um, a few times. Not necessarily drama, but some instances that happened at turn one a few times. Um, Daniel Hemrick and John Hunter Nemechek, they had they were battling for the for the majority of this race. If I'm being honest with you. Um, they were doing some real good work, some real good damage, but, um, and and held, holding off everyone else for the most part. Whenever they were the two uh, fighters in the front, they were trading positions, they were battling, they were going at it neck and neck throughout a large majority of the race, swapping positions. So it was it was good to see the nice battles that they had going on in the NASCAR Xfinity race at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, something that <laughs> I think was really good. Um, but stage one, Cindric. I forget his first name, whatever. He took the stage one win. Um, there was a battle for second, two laps after a restart, and it was a decent battle. Oh, Jesus, where am I at with this? This is why NASCAR is confusing me, because there's stage one, stage two, stage three, then the final stage. And it, uh, it's, it's, but still, something that I feel like I, I, I can discuss. Um, one thing I noticed is that Daniel Hemrick, he pushes really well off restarts. Um, he pushes really well, whether it be a caution restart, whether it be a race caution restart um, for the stages to, uh, when the stages are over, whether it be those restarts or actual, you know, restarts off of wrecks and stuff like that. He has been nothing but great going off those restarts, not only creating separation from the rest of the field, but also uh, always putting himself in prime position to be successful throughout the entirety of that stage. Daniel Hemrick, he may be <laughs> with his performances, he may be. The first NASCAR Xfinity Cup Series, uh, not not Cup Series, he's the first NASCAR Xfinity Series champion without actually winning a race this season. He has come in second, I believe, 10 times this season, and he, has, he's, he hasn't come in the first yet. He has, he has not come in the first yet. And of course, you know, this race, I thought he might have had it. I thought Daniel Hemrick might have had it, but, you know, John Hunter Nemechek, he came in and dominated when he needed to, dominated how he needed to, and, um... Clear cut. We see Daniel Hemrick coming in second, and we see John Hunter Nemechek coming in first. <laughs> uh, the 54 was a great car, great car for this race. A lot of times we see uh, other drivers come in, drivers that know what they're doing, that come in and they end up having relatively uh, decent success with that car. And John Hunter Nemechek was one of those people. He's a great driver, getting into a fantastic car, and he dominated. And in the final stage, he actually started in P18, but actually <laughs> yeah I was right yeah he started in P18 at the final stage restart with 50 laps to go and dominated cutting through the field doing whatever he needed to pushing actually threading the needle between two cars uh, on, on, on occasion doing what he needed to and he came all the way back three laps to go or four laps to go got the first position and was dominating from there stayed in first didn't let anything get by him and he dominated all the way to the finish line um, so 
props to John Hunter Nemechek. Props to that number 54 car that has been nothing but successful this season. Um, and props to Daniel Hemrick coming in second, 10th, second place win this season. Dominating the season altogether. If you get in second place, that's that's man, that's nothing but consistency. That's nothing but hard work paying off. And I know he would love to see a victory this season. I know he would love to see it. But unfortunately, he may not get it. He may not get it, but he might get that championship still. He might might get that championship still. I also want to talk about Harrison Burton. He did have a pretty decent late race push. However, that that, that, that turned out to be unsuccessful. Um, He was cutting through the field. He did make his way up to the top fighting pack. Um, But ultimately, ultimately didn't end up... uh, I guess where he was fighting for. Um, either way, pretty good, pretty good race, pretty good fight, and I did enjoy it. I did enjoy seeing that 54 car cutting through the field and um, really getting to the top pack and fighting and showcasing that it's the best car. It's the best car out there. It's the best car out there, and uh, I forget what team they actually are for, but that team. Um, has been nothing but performance, nothing but superior. Uh, I believe the Toyota manufacturer, the Toyota manufacturer, has been dominating the NASCAR Xfinity Series this season. So props to them. Props to them. Now we're going to the NASCAR Cup Series, the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. Like I said, I didn't really catch this race. Um, I might have seen it maybe once or twice, but I didn't. I didn't really catch this race. Uh, but Kyle Larson, he wins his eighth cup race this season, the most he's ever had. And Larson will be racing for his first series, uh, his first career series title at Phoenix Raceway. Um, and one thing I do want to point out that I believe was pointed out during the, uh, during the broadcast, Hendrick Motorsports, every time they've made an appearance into the final four, into the championship four, they've won the title. (laughs) They've won it, so I'm I'm expecting a victory here, Kyle. I'm expecting a victory from you. So I wish all the best to to, to, to the number five racing team. I wish all the best to Hendrick Motorsports. I wish all the best to those guys, and uh, I do hope that you pull away with a victory. I do hope that you pull away and um, and can celebrate not only a remarkable season, but also title. Um. Another thing that I did see, Anthony Alfredo, aka Fast Pasta, did come out and uh, had a pretty, pretty bad wreck. I believe his car flipped over, may have even caught on fire, something of that nature. Glad to hear that he's okay uh, for the most part, and um, he's actually one of the guys that uh, that got me interested into in some of the NASCAR stuff um, this year, anyway. And last year, he's actually one of those guys who got me interested in, in NASCAR for the most part. Um, so I'm glad he's okay. And um, congrats. Congrats to Larson and congrats to the number five racing team and Hendrick Motorsports. I wish you all the best in the championship four races uh, in the championship fight in um, Phoenix Raceway. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> And to the fans, to the listeners, to all the people coming through and, uh, you know, either watching the video or liking the video, I want to thank you for coming by. I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, this has been the Tyreek Walter Motorsports Show. This is actually a pretty decent episode, 55, almost an hour, basically. Um, 
Let me know if you think that Colton Herta would make a strong impact in the popularity of, you know, Formula One uh, racing popularity in the North American side of things. Let me know if you think that his his him racing in that series is going to bring in, you know, that good uh, that good networking and stuff. I don't know what to what to call it, but if he's going to bring in the fans from the American side, if Andretti Motorsport does make this announcement, look out for it on my Twitter at the Big Ticket 07. Look out for it on all the official motorsport Formula 1, all of them. Look out for it for sure if it does get released. It is going to be blasting across the airways social media wise blasting across all news sources um so definitely check into that you are going to see it if you are a race fan you are going to see it regardless of what series you you look at um and that's about it i'm glad to see that danica patrick is going to be uh joining the sky sports tv coverage this weekend coming up at coda and let me know if you have any predictions on who you think is going to win at coda uh at circuit of the americas coming up this weekend let me, just just let me know in the comments what you think man let me know who do you think is going to end up with the strongest pace who do you think is going to end up coming out on top and do you believe well i mean it's a possibility we don't know do you believe that verstappen and hamilton might clash again I don't think it'll happen at Circuit of the Americas. I think it might happen more so in Mexico. But I don't know. <laughs> Altogether, you can never really predict it. But you can have an opinion on what may happen. So let me know in the comments below if you're on the YouTube version. And if you're on the vid just the audio version, head on over to the link in the description. Where you could either hit me up on Twitter wherever. And let me know what you think, man. So that's it for me. That's it for the show. I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, I hope you all, I hope you go out there, have a wonderful day, have a wonderful weekend, whatever you got to have in order to just be happy in life. Do what you do. Do you. I don't know why I'm saying so much at the end of this. But peace out, man.